Welcome to the podcast, Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education and schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share their experiences and offer advice on how we can do better for all. In this episode, I interview my co-host, Taylor Monterio, who is a junior at URI. We talk about so many different challenges around secondary education, standardized testing, recommendations from teachers, college expectations, acceptance and rejection. obstacles. Imagine what they will do. I know you can imagine too. I really wanted to take an opportunity to spend some time talking to you, specifically your college experience. You are currently in your third year at URI. What do you think has been your biggest advantage of going to college? The biggest advantage that college has done for me is the networking. And that's really all college is about is networking. A lot of people you talk to after college are like, my career is not even related to my major. I'd say like half of the adults in the working world that I talk to tell me that your major does not matter. I've even had guest speakers come into my business classes saying your major doesn't matter. Just get through it and make connections. That's like the number one thing. Cornell, Harvard, that is all about the connections. You leave there and everybody is like, you went here, you went here, you know this person, or they'll do this for you. It's all about that connection. That's so funny that you mentioned that. I didn't see that as my biggest asset for going to college, but in hindsight, it actually is. I went to a really small school in Pennsylvania. It is called Susquehanna University. And everywhere I've gone, somebody knows somebody who went to Susquehanna University. And it's so small. It's 1,500 students, rural, central Pennsylvania. And yet there are lots and lots of people who know somebody who went there. So the networking is a really big advantage. I remember talking about the college experience. It doesn't necessarily matter where you go. What matters is the connections that you make when you are developing yourself as a college student, your network and developing those relationships. And can you tell me if you feel like you've made a relationship with somebody at your college, how you made that relationship, where you see that relationship supporting your future? I'm a communication studies major with a minor in business and a minor in leadership studies. I always say I picked the three most broad subjects to study when people ask what I want to do. It's a little bit of everything. But in this general field of common business, you do meet a lot of different people from a lot of different places. This is something that has been hugely, hugely affected with COVID is when I had in-person classes, I was seeing guest speakers. I was meeting professors, making face-to-face connections, which is really what I care about and what what I am good at with my communications background and just my love for it. So making those connections was so easy in person. And I had a lot of great professors that here's our information. Let's keep in touch. Let's get on LinkedIn. Let's figure out something 
for the future? Where are you going to go? What are we going to do with this? Same with people that we used to have come into our classes. And now I feel like I can't make a connection this year. And my so I'm a junior. First two years are great. I made those connections. And now I have no connection with our guest speakers in class. Like they, maybe they could see my face on the screen, but they don't, unless they scroll over my Zoom panel, they don't know my name. They don't know what I'm about. I can't go up to them after class, shake their hand and say, hey, that was amazing. Can I get your business card? We used to do that a lot. And now I'm just not, without that face-to-face, I'm losing those connections. That's really an interesting take on the impact that COVID has had on college students. I am curious to know in the next couple of years how that overall networking loss impacts high school students who are trying to get into a college and not building Mm. that relationship with a teacher who's willing to write that very unique letter of recommendation unless I specifically ask a student to engage with me it's very limited they may put an answer in the chat but That has really impacted my relationships with students. And right now I'm spending a lot of time reaching out to former students and connecting with them for a variety of reasons. And I don't see that connection with any students that I have this year. If I had to ask any of my professors from this semester or last semester to write me a recommendation letter, I'd be embarrassed and uncomfortable because they don't know me. They don't know. They see my grades. I'm a fine student. I do my work and I show up to class. But unless you get that engagement to be able to see who the person really is, academic work is not everything. And some of the best students I'm sure that you've had are not the students that are A+, don't have to put in the work because they're already book smart. So it's hard to I'm not the perfect student. What I have in character helps make up for that lack. And that's just missing right now. I think as a junior, this is where you really start to connect and develop (laughs) those very specific relationships. I know that juniors who are in my chemistry classes when we are in person, I watch them interact with others and there is no interaction virtually. There is no action that happens where a student sees another student struggling and just naturally they are drawn to supporting those students. In the social distancing world, that connection is very hard to make because you, one, may be uncomfortable or two, they may be uncomfortable. And so that inability to connect, to help each other is going to have a real impact, I think, as we move forward. Definitely. So that leads us into the heart of my question for this episode which is really about how the SATs drive college admissions and or your opportunities. I asked you to listen to This American Life podcast number 734, The Campus Tour Has Been Canceled, aired on March 21st, 2021. When I first heard this podcast, it created a lot of questions for me. And not being a college student anymore, 
not applying for college, having my own children who are not close to college, I thought you would be a good person for me to talk about and ask some of these questions a little more specifically. In the podcast, they talk about one of the results of the pandemic is that lots of colleges are making their admissions test optional. What does that mean to you? When I was applying to schools, I had a couple that were test optional. Probably half that were test optional. I think that that's a great idea. I understand the appeal. Colleges, higher education, working to create an environment with more strict academic program. So I understand having to weed through a sea of students and applications, but I do think that it's important to look at other things outside of that test. So when I was in high school, it was part of standardized testing. I took it once without studying at all, got my score, wasn't satisfied with it because at the time I did care a lot more about grades and numbers and stuff. So I took it one more time. I got maybe 10 points higher. I'm good. I'm done. This is my number and we're just going to take it and go with it because the <laughs> amount of frustration I had applying to college anyway was so great and I was so overwhelmed and stressed that I was, I know that this isn't what reflects me as a person so I cannot put my energy into this. May have done something very similar where I got my score. I wasn't happy with it. I did a little studying with a big fat book that my parents got me. I took it again <laughs> and maybe I got a little bit higher but I'm curious is it a number that you remember? The SAT score that you got. Is it a number that you could recite to me with yes. very little. <laughs> me too. You know what's funny is I could recite to you all of my friends scores. All of my best friends were in the top 10 in high school and I was really pretty much one of the only ones that wasn't. I was still up in the higher percentage of the grade but I was nowhere near that and I was okay with that up until sophomore, junior, senior year I was panicking because my SAT scores were 300 points below hers. How is this possible? We have the same classes, we're what is the issue here? Why am I stupid? That's what I felt. So I know everybody around me in my high school. I know all of their scores. I could pretty much list them off. <laughs> well, the good news is, is when you are my age, you will probably only remember your SAT scores and not your <laughs> friends. But that's really interesting to think about the amount of time that I put into taking it and prepping for it was not all that extensive, but that number is hanging on in my memory as a mm. measure of my worth, right? Oh, yeah. Why do you think I still remember my score <laughs> 20 years? Mm -mm, it's more than 20 years later. <laughs> a lot of years later. I don't know. It's uh, hard to describe exactly the impact it has on you unless you were in. I have those friends that were more kind of like, I am confident in myself and I'm secure. But I was very insecure about my, my intellect in high school. That was something that I placed a lot of value on and a lot of value on myself and other people, which I've grown a lot and I've, I'm able to have a wider view now. And I know that, that that is one of the last things I gauge people on now is their 
IQ <laughs> definitely was then. And I think when you do place a lot of value on it and it's not where you want yourself to be. I'm curious to know if many people have that number in their in their memories. I think many people hold on to that SAT score as just something that they put value on for themselves. I do think it, it has a residual effect on your confidence. I was not insecure about my score until I heard my friends. And it didn't matter until it mattered. I think it goes back to one of the questions we asked our guest about, I had to do it. Well, shouldn't you have to do it? So if colleges are starting to consider test optional, are there, is there a faction of colleges or organizations that are holding on to the SATs because it's like a rite of passage almost. That's interesting. I would have to say there probably is, but heck no. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I guess I'm getting a little heated here. <laughs> but I think that why would you put someone through something that you know doesn't measure their full worth that made you miserable if you went through it has been proven to not be a good complete gauge. Why would we keep making people go through this? It doesn't make any sense at all. I wish that I could talk to a high school version of myself or any kids that were in my position and say this doesn't really in the long run matter because it feels like it does a lot then but we talked to one of our guests Georgia who was she's from Chicago so she had to apply to high schools if you have to apply to high school and you have to go through this tremendously stressful experience that just seems so silly to me it honestly is almost laughable that we are forcing kids to do this yeah and I wonder what the impact of Georgia who is in eighth grade going to high school to those scores on those tests are having on her what is the student who is in eighth grade going to carry forward from that experience I have been thinking a lot about Georgia and that experience and again it brings me back to the value of a test it isn't a good indicator of who you are it shouldn't be the only factor but I also think that college isn't for everyone but everybody who wants to go to college and is willing to work hard should have the opportunity to go I'm very radical in believing that education should be free. For people who want to be the first in their family to go to college but have really had a rough road in getting there, their lack of resources is going to indicate lower test scores. That's just the way it is. The tests are skewed and aimed towards people who are... That's just how it goes. It's a tough question. (laughs) It is a tough question and it actually leads me to that session that they had about the opportunities of students with higher income. Not only do they have access to better schools and better school districts due to property taxes, but when you have money, you are able to hire tutors to buy those monster books that I referred to. If the SATs are that measure to level a playing field, as some colleges will have us believe, it's actually only accentuating that problem of those with money having more access Mm. to opportunities like college. You had a year and a half of the typical college experience for the tuition that you paid. You are now in your full year of virtual college. What would you say to a student who 
says it's just not worth it to pay that tuition for a virtual college experience. Here's the thing. Virtual school was offered obviously before. So here's the thing. Virtual school was offered before the pandemic, but virtual learning is not for everyone. We know that. But now that everyone is virtual, it's taken so much away from the general learning experience. Right now, especially, I would recommend a leap year. If I could take that gap, there were a lot of reasons why I kind of had to come for this year, but if I could have taken a gap, I would have because the amount of money I'm paying for the level of education I'm getting right now is not not worth it. For me, I don't think I've learned very much at all this year, which is really hard to wrap my head around. And I think about the fact that I had student loans until last year from the choices that I made because of what I thought I wanted as a 17-year-old. So many things have changed. We were talking about the opportunities that college affords you. And I think about the people that I went to college with and the people that my husband went to college with and the experiences that we both had. I don't think I got the education I paid for. I got a whole lot of growth for myself. And I learned how to live on my own. I learned how to live outside of my parents' safety net. I experienced failure that I had never really truly experienced before. But was that worth the cost of college experience? I don't have an answer for that. I feel your struggle of knowing that your circumstances made it impossible for you not to take the year off. And I think this is why lots of people fear that when students take their gap year, they start to like the experience that they're having making money and being able to buy things because right now your needs are far less than your needs will be 10 years from now. Started doing something that was in your field, but not a college degree in your field, mm -hmm. would you settle and would you maybe not come back because that tuition bill is pretty steep? Saying in the podcast that lots of kids are choosing not to go to college this year because yeah. they have been working and all of my students in high school are working right now. And we're talking about returning to full in-class learning. I am curious to know how my students feel about that because because that means they may not be able to be as flexible as they once were. My first year, I had to take out loans. Have a lot of student debt already. A lot. <laughs> Especially choosing to go to this school out of state. And just, I mean, obviously, there are way more expensive options I could have chosen. But this summer, I ended up working 55 hours a week waitressing. And was finally, for the first time, because I spent so much time working that I was finally able to pay for a semester out of my bank account. If I could do this all the time, the amount of stress that would be taken off of my shoulders. I hate thinking about money. I hate thinking about finances and everything surrounding it. I can totally see the appeal of wanting to wait a little bit, save some money. A couple years difference is not going to be the end of the world when it comes to getting to college or everything feels so long at the time. I mean, it's only been a year since COVID hit. There's so much pressure in your early 20s and late teens to get this done so you can get your life started. I have the privilege to have done undergrad with no gap and 
and have done two different graduate programs on my own dime. I will tell you the commitment of my level of work, paying for it on my own. It just is no question I put a thousand percent more effort in when I was paying for it myself. I don't know what advice I give to kids at this point because I know how much college costs. And that leads me to the next question about admissions. So I found out listening to that podcast that admissions are not just based on your resume and your ability to do well. It's also based on how much you can pay the college because the college has to acquire a certain amount of money from tuition made me think about all of the semantics. And I wonder what your reaction to that conversation about decision making on admissions. We're actually in one of my modern leadership classes right now talking about leadership and education. We had to do this activity the other day where we were given a seven or eight applications, fake applications of a bunch of different students. We had to choose two to admit as a group. We're narrowing it down. We're talking it through. And ultimately, the big question that we asked the admissions people was what can we get and what can we give? A lot of times there are students who are just out of high school that are competing for spots against people who are just out of being a stay-at-home mom and they want to start a career. You have to look and see not only who's in need, but what can they give you? Don't think that anyone is more deserving than the next person if they want it bad enough. That it just seems seems really heartbreaking to tell someone we can't accept you because you can't give us as much as we can give you. It's an exchange. That's what it is. The constraints that college admissions are under, how do you think that impacts the diversity of the college in terms of this money situation and they have to reach a bottom line and ordered college has to be sustainable. What do you think it does to the diversity of a college? I'm thinking about low income, first generation Mm. students. Well, it's interesting. When we were weeding out what students we would keep, we tried to take one older student and one younger student. And then we also tried to take people who were of different backgrounds because if you accept from a low income neighborhood and he goes back and he's wearing URI gear, supported by this university that's going to encourage a lot of kids to desire that path as well or maybe take the chance to try for that so I think that the more they include diversity the more that gap is closed and a lot of students will find inspiration in that and seeing their own demographic or people of their similar background in universities I think that aspect of diversity is not celebrated in the way that you've described so I can see myself reflected in you so I may choose to look in that direction as well. We were talking about how college admissions has to make decisions and sometimes those decisions are based on how much you can bring to the school. It's not always just your financial abilities but often it can be. Rejection letters are sent. Did you get any rejection letters? Yeah, I did. 
getting a rejection letter and not necessarily knowing it maybe was financially based, I wonder how that impacts how we feel about ourselves. Getting those Mm. rejection letters can be pretty powerful. If you are of a lower income stature, you're not going to bring a whole lot to the college. You have to have something else to bring. What if you're average Lorraine? I was pretty average. I didn't have a whole lot of things that stood out about me at that time. I had an average amount of money, but I wonder getting those rejection letters can really impact my self-confidence or any student's self-confidence. Mm. And if it's based on financial, I mean, I know they can't say that. It's just, yeah. I know in my case, the school I got rejected from and the school I got waitlisted from were both based on academics. <laughs> I know for that for certain because... Um, the one I got completely rejected from, I knew that was coming. That was just, I kind of applied for fun and I knew that my test scores were not even close. So I was expecting that, but the one I got waitlisted at was my school that I wanted to go to, Emerson in Boston. When I was waitlisted there, I'm, that is a more expensive school by far compared to URI. I couldn't say for certain whether it was academics or finances. I didn't really thought about that before because you don't know. You really don't know why you weren't accepted. I'm curious to know how important was the campus tour for your decision because many schools are not doing campus tours right now. I actually did not like any school that I toured. I toured probably 10 schools and I really did not like any of them. URI, I did not tour before I committed. (laughs) I put down my payment before I came to see URI and I'm glad I did because I know that any school that I toured besides Emerson, I did not apply to. (laughs) Touring is important because not only do you see what you want, you see what you don't want. Putting yourself out there and knowing that you have to meet new people. You have to cultivate that positive environment for yourself. It's a conscious effort. That's one of the biggest experience of growth that I had. There's no other time in your life. And I've done a lot of thinking about this. There is no other time in your life where you and potentially over a thousand, sometimes tens of thousands of people walk into an experience with the same level of experience. You start a new job. Everybody else already has the experience. You're the new one. New school. Everybody already knows each other. College is that time where nobody knows anybody. Maybe you know one or two people, but nobody knows anybody. And everybody has to take that risk and get to know somebody else. For that, I think college is pretty awesome. Thank you for listening to Unimagined. What I really liked about this episode is how similar Taylor's experience was to mine as a student. And the fact that I still remember my SAT scores 30 years later is really fascinating to me. What did this episode bring up for you? What questions should we be asking students? Do you still remember your SAT scores? Leave a comment, share, or connect us to a student.